We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Finishing off our first best ball draft of the year. That's what we're talking about today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work at Rotovision. Sean, we started from the 110 Stefan Diggs, Debo Samuel, Brees Hall, Nick Chubb, Dalton Schultz, David Montgomery, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London. This is a, a sit and go at FFPC. It's 30 second clocks. We're not necessarily in midseason form, but it, it was a fun start. And we took a bunch of running backs in the running back dead zone, which was interesting. Got a lot of ground to make up at wide receiver, right? We do. But we sort of set this plan in motion from the beginning. We drafted a couple of our favorite rookie wide receivers. We think that they are going to really jump in value, but there are some names left on the board here. One of the things you and I were worried about is that with a draft with the ship chasing and road of his communities, that it would be so wide receiver heavy that everybody would be, would be gone. That's not quite the case. Yeah. There's a few names left and we're going to jump right back into this draft. that has been going at a pretty fast pace to see how we finish off this team. We are. And so we'll we'll join it in progress. We'll see, you know, you'll get to see if we are as out of breath during the draft as it felt as we were doing it. We had so much fun with this. We hope you guys enjoy it. But what where what are we thinking here? I think we probably want to be looking at quarterback reasonably soon. I think we want to be looking for that tight end too reasonably soon and probably continue to build out a receiver core, right? Yeah, we get so excited about the receivers and so doing kind of this early draft and, and the fast draft, uh, the quarterbacks can go by the wayside. Jalen Hurts would have been a very, very good pick in the last spot. He's one of the people I had kind of marked pre-draft as a target for us. I don't think either one of us plan to take Deshaun Watson for obvious reasons. Uh, it, yeah, I, Lance, I think you need to get a big discount because the news out of there is very concerning i like Derek carr a lot i think that's one of the reasons why i'm still fairly high on Devonte adams this will be something where you know at halftime of the first game you'll be looking back and thinking well maybe i was completely off on that should have sold and burned all the chip kelly gear much earlier but justin fields i think you know we have to look at him to and now with those receivers we have to look at him you had mentioned on an earlier pod 
that you were drafting Matt Ryan late because he was going to fall into a better situation. Now, the Colts are not exactly loaded up and in, in terms of receiving firepower, and they have such a good running game that the volume won't necessarily be there. But I think that's a, a competent quarterback with a competent head coach and organization. You know, that's an interesting pick if we need cheaper options later, especially if there's not the tournament element at the end. I'm not... Uh, you know, users who are interested can go check out our Stack Explorer on the Best Ball overall Explorer and see what you think about how stacking actually helps you in Best Ball. I don't necessarily think that I would target a QB specifically because of that in this particular draft or this particular format. Uh, and kind of as we come back around, I, I think it would be hard. So the, the first thing to mention is we do know we want two QBs in the window. Trey Lance does just go. And so if we don't hit guys here you know we will probably come back at the next round so there's a question of you know what would the opportunity cost be do we have targets that we really like coming back around we want to think about the draft from both directions but i think this is a great window to hit receiver now because both of the really interesting tight ends that we love in this range pat freermuth and albert ogugbanam went gasicki's off the board as well gronk is off the board some tight ends went there we still have boyd we still have bateman we still have chris alave you have in our queue I'm really good with all three of those guys. Yeah, you made a fantastic argument for Boyd last time around. Let's take him. So we get another good receiver to continue to to catch back up where we know that we need to with our, you know, our big detour from round three to six, not taking a receiver. That's probably the first time in the history of us drafting together. We didn't take a receiver in any round from round three to round six. But I still like where we're at at receiver. We went Dig Samuel to start, and it gave us this ability to, to do that and then go Wilson, London, Boyd right behind it, have a nice mix of that rookie upside, and now Boyd a really nice sort of stable, small miss, big win type player. I mean, I don't know how big the win would be, but I don't think he's going to be a big miss at all in this offense. So he's a really nice pick here at the end of the ninth round. Yeah, and so we're now kind of thinking in terms of do we want to pivot to QB? A couple of Chris Olave goes off the board, so we won't be able to add him in. I have DJ Chark in our queue, but this is probably a little bit early. Even if he does go in the interim, we would probably live Let's with that. Let's take Fields. Come on. You got Carr ahead of Fields, but we already have Montgomery. We already made the bet on the Bears. You made me take Montgomery. We have to take Justin Fields now. Okay, and, and one thing in best ball, too, is that by having the QB and the running back, I actually like that a little bit more. Again, in a non-tournament format where – oops, I need to make the pick. There we go. Two seconds. So you have on the weeks where the running back scores, you get that into that part of your lineup. On the week where the QB scores, you get that into that part of your lineup. And that allows you to make sure you continue to score well throughout the season. You're not leaving – you know, you're not putting up those zeros and then in different weeks leaving big points on the bet. So we have fields. And, and we've already sort of made a bet on the offense with the Montgomery pick, right? So the overall upside of the op, we, we're hoping that the Bears are going to be better. But Ben, uh, Derek Carr does go right after that, right after. <laughs> you, we have enough Derek Carr. We have Derek Carr on our dynasty team, which uh, we just had some conversations before the show about our cutdowns. Uh, I think we dealt LaVisca Chenault right before the show. But we'll talk about that uh, another time, maybe in a couple of weeks. But you would have preferred Carr there over Fields? 
No, we're, we're going big here. And Good. Justin Good. Fields, despite... You couldn't do that to me. That would have broke my heart. <laughs> the, well, Ben, the rhetoric is that his throwing motion is too long, right? So, I mean, we're looking at, at Byron Leftwich 2.0. We're going to gamble that his ability to read the field improves quickly enough. The coaching situation improves well, you know, by staggering amounts, according to one Ben Gretsch, and that slightly elongated throwing motion, when he gets rid of the ball, it is going to be 25-yard lasers down the field to the right guy and the Bears. And I don't know who that right guy is because the Bears' uh, offensive roster right now looks terrible, but it's going to be somebody catching the pass, hopefully. Cole Kamen. maybe Maybe one of the rookie receivers that we draft – uh, at some point later on in the show. So Ben Cole Komet also goes, he was sort of our other favorite sleeper tight end. Uh, I, you know, I hate to do this to you, but the, I mean, are, are the wounds closing up a little bit? We've got to consider Noah Fant who now we found out that his big thing is that he is a vertical tight end. Hassan, I figured would and smartly took him, to continue building out his Denver stack. He now has Russ, Judy, Sutton, and Fant, uh, as well as his Burrow and Higgins stack. Hassan's building a nice little team over there. So we are in a tough spot at tight end, but that's okay because Dalton Schultz with the other receivers gone, as I said, he was much better when they didn't have all three of their receivers on the field at the same time and healthy. I think Dak really got to liking him. He saw in the playoff game really goes to him, kind of treats him like the traditional talking point of, uh, uh, you know, a, a safety valve, if you will. He's not a huge athletic guy or anything, but Schultz has caught a lot of passes the last couple of years in tight end premium. He's going to give us a nice stable floor every week. He's going to catch at least five balls at every single game, put it on the board. <laughs> well, we had mentioned Rashad Penny as one of the potential guys to rise into the dead zone on our show a couple of weeks back. The two guys who did rise were James Conner and Leonard Fournette. Then people are not buying your Seahawks offense there. He just goes in round 11. I think that's a fantastic value, regardless of what you think is going to happen in Seattle. What position are you looking at here? We did a show on Rojo. He is available. We could go a lot of different directions. Uh, Tua, somebody who, again, very controversial. Uh, he could get benched by week three, or you know, he could be the overall QB7. Well, there's some receivers we could consider, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the receiver board and looking at Marcus Valdez-Scantling, I think is interesting as another, you know, KC ad. Uh, Kenny Galladay still there. Corey Davis. My guy, Jacoby Myers, is there. Jarvis Landry, your guy, is there. Our boy, Will Fuller, is there. There's a lot of, still a, a decent amount of, I think, pretty good receiver depth that might not be there for many more rounds. If you're interested in any of these tight ends, I, 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 would think about it. I'm looking at um, Irv Smith, I think is the biggest upside tight end right now. Where, where are you looking? Well, we just made a trade, a very controversial trade of LaVisca Chenault for not that much because we had to get down as we covered on the show. We did that in order to keep Kenny Galladay, who Ben is also available. And at the same time, I mean, it's, it's never too early to take George Pickens who may go in the first round of the NFL draft or may go undrafted. <laughs> I think it's pretty hard to say there. I'm good with either. 
So then tell us where, you, where we are with, so we go with Galladay to get a little bit of veteran presence. We're going to continue to get kind of crazy with the rookies later. Uh, rookies are so undervalued right now, but we don't want a full rookie team or probably we don't. I mean, maybe looking back and think, well, we took all the guys except for the one who actually hit at the end of the season. Where are you right now on Jarvis Landry? He, <laughs> the reports are that he's looking for $20 million a year, which would seem silly, except uh, Christian Kirk got something in that vicinity when i tell more casual nfl fans that that contract happened they're like uh come again what so landry back to the browns would you be more interested in him there or if he goes to another spot we are on the clock hunter henry gerald everett ronald jones some players at other positions i'd also put out there for you as possibilities yeah, I, I didn't really like the Jones call only because I didn't think we need another running back. But if you're comfortable with the rookie receivers we can get later, I think Jones is probably my favorite pick in a vacuum right here. Okay, so it's it's important for branding and just for being wrong every single time to take Ronald Jones. So we do take Jones. He does have the ability to... I mean, Ben... I think sometimes it can be difficult to tell like when we're being serious and we're being silly on Jones, but I mean, he could be a low end RB one, right? If he wins that job in Kansas city. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what we have just completed is a draft structure, a, a best ball draft philosophy that our buddy, Pat Corain, perhaps the preeminent Ronald Jones fan. I don't even think there's a perhaps there. The, the preeminent, preeminent Ronald Jones fan, uh, a strategy that he has dubbed, hyper rojo which is we went basically hyper fragile at the top with three pretty early running backs and then our fourth running back was ronald jones we waited a little bit but we got our we got our four stud running backs now we can pretty much be done with running back frankly the minor concern i would have here is that we're you know very much on the edge in terms of whether you consider our next pick in the qb window or not Michael Dubner just had a great article out talking about pre-NFL draft, post-NFL draft, and the differences that people would think that exist that actually don't, and basically his conclusions across the board with a couple of small caveats that I'll let people kind of check out for themselves, are that you should play it the same way. Now, the research is so clear, and the win rates that you can get by following the insights in the Roster Construction Explorers and in the Best Ball Workshop are so high that you sort of wonder why everybody doesn't do it. And yet then, I mean, we are not necessarily doing it in this draft. And you can understand why people don't because you get there and there are some other players that you want to take. You want to have fun with it. The other thing I would say is that you also want to be ahead of some of the evolutionary movement within the game as opposed to behind. I do think that there's an element now where the draft community is starting to get a handle on these trends. And we don't want to say, oh, well, now we somehow have this magical ability to see the future. But you want to be a little proactive with your pivots. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't say that better. So that leads us into our, our positions of need, <laughs> which are tight end and quarterback. Hunter Henry, Gerald Everett at tight end, Matt Ryan. So Daniel Jones someone you know we, we we've made the bet on kenny galladay we talked about Kadarius tony he's got the rushing ability i guess if we spoke highly of those guys we have to at least consider him as a possibility too yes 
<laughs> no, no, we don't. It's like we're gonna on individual guys from that offense, not on the. I'm offense. looking at Matt Ryan still in our queue and hoping that all the nice things you said about Matt Ryan earlier lead to him falling back to us. Just to update the the listeners a little bit, Will Fuller did go before we went. Galladay and VS went right behind that. Some of the guys we talked about, Irv Smith, had also gone off the board. My guy Jacoby Myers went in the later part of the twelfth round who wasn't in our queue, but would have been my favorite pick over Ronald Jones. Sean didn't even add him to our queue because we have this bitter feud about Jacoby Myers, apparently. Jarvis Landry also has gone Sky Moore. George Pickens, a couple of guys we certainly would have considered, and and you mentioned Pickens. They have both now gone. Jameson Williams is off the board. Even Christian Watson is off the board. There are a lot of receivers off the board. Matt Ryan is now off the board. I think we are getting to Daniel Jones' territory. It's getting thin at receiver, certainly. It's also thin at quarterback. We're 22 quarterbacks deep. I think we can kick the can at tight end a little further. I I think Hunter Henry and Gerald Everett are interesting plays, but not jumping out of my seat to get them right here. Well, I'm going to point out that it's never thin at wide receiver as long as KJ Hamler is still there, but he will probably also be there later. Not a 13th round selection, I wouldn't think. Ben, we are on the clock at 13-10. Who would you like? I think it's Daniel Jones. He made a nice little case. We already took Kenny Galladay. If we're betting on a Kenny Galladay bounce back, I guess we believe that Daniel Jones is the quarterback for that. I'm kind of hoping that it's, you know, whoever else they added. I can't remember who their backup quarterback is right now. but So the other options there would be Mac Jones, would be, uh, you know, taking – Malik Willis those guys Jones probably less upside Willis the possibility that he actually has to sit as a rookie is is that kind of what you see as the downsides for those passers yeah I mean I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind Willis and Jones doesn't have the rushing upside I was looking at the other quarterbacks and that was certainly why I was getting comfortable with the Daniel Jones pick because there wasn't a lot left frankly we're back on the clock I think if you want to hit tight end here we're in a pretty flat spot at right receiver, aren't we? I mean, we could take Julio Jones. You like you like old receivers. You've always told me that. <laughs> <laughs> we could take Julio Jones. So, Ben, Hunter Henry, another very solid season last year. Gerald Everett, I mean, you have him there with Justin Herbert. There's some real blow-up upside. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. Hunter I, Hunter Henry was very good last year. I'm a little concerned that it was a little tight end reliant. I do think the Patriots will be willing to throw a little more in year two with Mac Jones. But I also think that they kind of have to get a little more out of Johnny Smith, right? Like it was, I don't know. I I think things broke really favorably for Hunter Henry last year. I don't think he's going to be terrible, but I just don't see a real big upside outcome. And when you sit there and talk about Gerald Everett with his athleticism playing with Justin Herbert, that's the kind of exciting upside play that goes well with our more stable meat and potatoes first tight end, which was Dalton Schultz. And you mentioned Johnny Smith there. I, I do like that. Uh, not necessarily for us drafting him, but he is somebody that I have at the end of the bench on a lot of dynasty teams. You get a little bit of a sense that perhaps that was an area of disconnect between Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. They signed him to a, a pretty enthusiastic contract for him to be a blocker we know he's one of the nfl's most athletic tight ends again 
athleticism at the receiving positions only matters if the skill element can be executed. And so it's not just simply a matter of they can throw him out there and change the game plan a little bit and he will dominate. But I do think that there is much more of a chance for him to siphon targets from Henry this season than perhaps last. Um, And I I added LaVisca to the queue because we could then get him back after losing him earlier today. We have four running backs and some interesting names have started to go like Kenny Gainwell. Uh, I don't have any uh, running backs actually in the queue for us, but we can, we can add some at some point. We're about a round away. It's going to come up on us quickly. Where are we going next? Structurally, I think we're actually like fine only drafting five backs on this team with Hall, Chubb, Montgomery, and Ronald Jones. I mean, maybe Jones is not a lot of guaranteed touches or or what have you, but because we're not that deep at receiver, we have a, you know, we have Diggs, Debo, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Tyler Boyd, Kenny Galladay. Galladay, obviously not secure in a rebound. Um, Wilson and London being rookies, who, you know, obviously we're very high on them, but you don't know if it's going to be consistent production throughout. I think using these additional roster spots towards the end on, on a deeper wide receiver pool makes some sense in a, in a draft where we've done well enough sort of with the guarantee touches, a, a spot that we're not necessarily familiar with. So to me, I think we could just take one more running back or, I mean, this is a 20 round draft. I don't think we would stick at four, but I think five would be fine. Um, it could be, you know, here in the next couple of rounds, but I wouldn't mind sort of continuing to try to hammer wide receiver. Maybe, you know, maybe we take two more running backs. What do you think about quarterback or tight end? Do you think we need a third of either of those? I might need a third QB. Yeah, we, we've left ourselves pretty weak at those positions, and that would be the case or the instance in which you would add a third in order to bolster the overall build. And the change of the slim this year from 18 to 20 gives you a little bit more flexibility to go that route if you want to. I think Willis, again, would be the player where you know the overall enthusiasm about him within the NFL community probably doesn't fall out of the first round. He has that rushing upside, so he plays in the second half of the season. And he's got the big arm, right? So you have the potential for some splash plays if, in fact, he has it all together. It, we're overconfident both in terms of the studs and in terms of the busts when we project quarterbacks. So I think we want to take advantage of ranges of outcome. Ben, you mentioned wide receiver. All the receivers I have in here are pretty deep guys, but I do like some of the names. KJ Hamler, Jalen Tolbert, Justin Ross. I know that that you know when it presents itself, you like to add some Ross to your teams. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely excited to take him a little bit later. Hamler, the way that we've seen Hassan stack the Broncos, and we know that Hassan, I'm sure, is very much a fan of Hamler as well. I guess I don't know that uh, in, specifically from Hassan, but all of us with any kind of road of his ties are, are big fans of Hamler, I think. So he might be one we have to take a little earlier than we might want to. It might be this 15-16 turn where we want to take Hamler. He's already the ninth receiver available if you if you were looking at the draft queue so just you know kind of thinking through that element hamler might be the guy to get on the way back i like willis here like you said and then potentially hamler at this turn 
Hello there, Colin Kelly here, co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just want to take a moment to let you know as a loyal Rotoviz Podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is head on over to rotoviz.com, add the subscription to your basket, and add the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. That'll get you 10% off, it'll get you access to all of our content and tools, and of course, set you up for success in all your 2022 fantasy football rosters. That code is RVRADIO2022. I hope you enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So we had Willis to the roster. Uh, in terms of some of the maybe less exciting veteran wide receivers, just kind of touch all of the bases. Odell Beckham is the top player by ADP. I mean, it seems like he's going to miss most of the year. Devontae Parker is a throw open kind of guy who, I mean, there's still a decent chance he gets traded to a realistic opportunity. Uh, the Dolphins obviously don't have the fit for him. So I don't think we have to be too worried he's going to be buried. I've never really been an advocate of his, but we're talking about the 16th round. Uh, Hamler, the guy here? Parker did stick out to me a little bit. I know you're not a big advocate of his, but if you wanted to go that route, I'd definitely be willing to. I think we may lose Hamler in that case. There's a pretty real chance we would not see Hamler come back. Well, if you're okay with Hamler, let's go ahead and do that. Sure. I'm always okay with Hamler. You don't got to tell me twice. We got Ronald Jones and KJ Hamler in this draft. 
plus Justin Fields. I, I guess that makes up. And, I mean, we got digs at Debo. It's not like we took bad receivers, but I guess that makes up for us not taking A.J. Brown in the first or second round. Good, good. I'm glad that it makes us feel more comfortable with that portion of it. And when you have Ronald Jones and you have K.J. Hamler, you you gifted back two roster spots. And at that point, I think karma really works in your favor. Hamler was on a lot of teams last year for me where uh, those teams did nicely. And I'd like to think that, you know, the, the fantasy gods were were looking down and saying, I mean, you took K.J. Hamler. It didn't work out, but now we're going to come through for you. What do we need to do to keep that positive momentum going? I think we got to get, we got to keep hitting receivers. And there have been a lot of good rookies that have already gone in this room. We've talked about the room being a little bit of a sharper room and a little bit of overlap in the ways that we like to draft. David Bell is off the board just in the last round. Jahan Dotson went. We do still have some other interesting potential rookies in Jalen Tolbert and Justin Ross. Then, I mean, this isn't the point of the draft yet to do this, but the drafter out of the 103 has been, I mean, this is just a superstar draft, right? Jamar Chase, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, Travis Etienne, Devontae Smith, Kenneth Walker, Brandon Ayuk, Scott Rogers, and Watson. He has Albert O. Christian Watson, Sky Moore, LaVisca, David Bell. I, I mean, you missed Rashad Penny in there as well. Yeah. Oh, good. and Rashad Penny. So good draft. Yeah. I mean, That's you're going to go to bed tonight thinking that you just had the greatest draft of all time if you were in that box. <laughs> um, our team right now at quarterback, we have Justin Fields, Daniel Jones, and the rookie Malik Willis. That will be it for us at quarterback. Our running backs are Brees Hall, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery, and Ronald Jones. Our receivers are Diggs, Debo Samuel, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Tyler Boyd, Kenny Galladay, and KJ Hamler, who we just added. Seven receivers so far, not our deepest receiver core. And our tight ends are Dalton Schultz and Gerald Everett, also not particularly deep at tight end. I don't think we've necessarily crushed this draft. That's one of the things that comes, you mentioned, we're going to kind of see what happens when we go this round three to round six range without taking a receiver and take these three early running backs. How do we feel about our team? I got to say, I mean, I don't love the way that we look at quarterback, receiver, and tight end. And I don't think our running backs are so great that it's going to make up for everything. This isn't a bad team because we've drafted a lot of good players that we like. But structurally, I don't think this played out in a way that I'm super excited about it or anything. And, you know, I'm the eternal optimist, but I'm going to take the opposite approach and say I love it because it's it's a little (laughs) bit different. We've got the the rushing quarterbacks. I mean, three rushing quarterbacks, right? I, I'm not worried about quarterback. This is either a hit or a miss. I mean, the whole idea here is you put yourself in a position where if a couple of things go right, you win. You don't need everything to go right. You don't need a bunch of low upside players to somehow develop upside, you know, seven years into their careers. So I like that. I actually think our, our wide receivers are very good. I like the running backs, my my question or my problem with it would be tight end. And we talk all the time about tight end is, is where you win or lose. And we made the case for Schultz and Everett. And I like the case for both of those players. It's still not the firepower you would necessarily want. And maybe from that perspective, you're looking for a little bit narrower path to the point totals you need, you know, than we could have created if it had gone a different route or if we had made some i think this is a roster where we could add a third tight end i'm not sure if there's a tight end worth drafting 
You have a, a tight end sleeper you want. Shout it out. I do not like the remaining tight ends. I'm always very reluctant to burn a position. Yeah. Just because we're weaker. The one name, and again, it just this this flies in the face of a lot of what we have seen, but this element of the NFL also changing a little bit. Trey McBride is there I was ask you about a fantastic him. receiver in college? I mean, would you be willing to take the risk on a rookie? I, I would. And I think you're right. I mean, we saw Fairmuth have a, a pretty good year outside of just pits. The offenses are spreading out. And we've talked about this for a couple of years. We talked about it last offseason a lot as it related to Pitts and Fryermuth that rookie tight ends are going to just because they haven't been good in the past doesn't mean they will forever not be productive in the NFL. So I, I do think that's a possibility we could go with. But I'm fine going receiver here as well. We still have Devontae Parker on the board if you want to go there, but you have a couple of rookies that look good too. We are on the clock, getting down to 10 seconds. Who's it going to be? Yeah, now that we've discussed it and both feel comfortable with it, let's not lose McBride because there are no other tight ends that I have any interest in drafting whatsoever. So we'll go there. Parker may make it back, but if he doesn't, I think we're into Justin Ross territory. And you mentioned that the room has taken some of these guys. Losing David Bell, for example, was a little bit of a blow. I know that he has fallen in some estimation because of the slow times. We also measured at a size that puts him into that group where – the speed is not necessarily as important. We know what he did on the field. I think that he has a chance to be a Keenan Allen type of player. We know that Allen was very inexpensive because of speed at the combine. Bell, someone who could be a value. And then, you know, you talk about it all the time. Justin Ross, as a true freshman, was better than T. Higgins. Yeah, outgained him at least. Higgins had a bunch right. of touchdowns. Yeah. Higgins had, more Higgins had more receptions and more touchdowns, but Ross led the Clemson Tigers in receiving yardage that year with a really good team. Also had Hunter Renfro and, and Travis Etienne and, and Amari Rogers. Who are we going with here? Let's do Ross. All right. We're going to lock up Ross. I will say, to circle back to the tight ends that are available, I want to make a case for my guy O.J. Howard not being completely done yet. You don't, like, you, you don't have any interest in O.J. Howard in Buffalo? Well, I think that that situation is maybe a little bit more interesting. And we know that, I mean, he's had some of these flashes, but there have been a, a variety of quarterbacks and a variety of coaching staffs that weren't really able to unlock him. And so for me, that probably goes into the category of, you know, just burning your roster spot. I do think that Dawson Knox is overdrafted. And at the same time, I think that, his season in 2021 really established him as a very viable starter as an NFL reality player. And then within the context of that offense, obviously a viable fantasy player. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but you're wrong, but uh, moving on <laughs> now, Harrison uh, Bryant was the other one I looked at as well with, with Austin Hooper gone. They're going to use two tight ends again. It seems with their receiver depth, and uh, he's he's an interesting name as well. But these are not like you you you're calling it burning a roster spot. You're probably correct. I'm thinking in tight end premium best ball, you might get some solid weeks out of these guys. However, uh, I, I do like that we went with Ross there and, and McBride, and so now we have eight receivers. We have two picks left. 
We only have our four running backs. We probably need to find a fifth running back and I think a ninth receiver. What do you think about that? I think in the FFPC format, especially if you wait late, that you can take those runners. And if they come through for you, obviously it helps. If any player comes through for you in the 19th and 20th rounds, it's going to be a big deal. But if Devontae Parker continues to come back around, it would be difficult to pass on him. Yeah, there's not a lot of receivers left. So that so you're thinking running back, running back? I think we, I think we could go. Uh, Eno is out there. At this point, it's still a possibility that he would be the backup. The Cardinals have a lot to address. I mean, there's still a chance that they would take Brees Hall and then James Conner and all of those guys don't look very exciting. But Pierre Strong, a small school back with some production, some fantastic athleticism. Tether Beatty, the, you know, the, from a production standpoint, the most prolific back in the SEC last year uh, out of Missouri. And I think, you know, after the combine has a chance to be drafted earlier than people are thinking, we had the Georgia backs in the queue. They are gone. Uh, had Danny Kelly and Matt Hicks on OT. Both of them, you know, spoke up for those players. Think they could be a little bit undervalued. Their players, I'm moving up, still not high, but moving up kind of as draft season goes along. Uh, 19th and 20th round here, Ben, the queue is getting picked over. I'm looking. So, Eno Benjamin goes. Devontae Parker goes. What do you think about, like, we can go running back, running back, but what about, like, a Nelson Aguilar? I mean, there's some veteran receivers that I think are going to play enough that are just way off the board at this stage of the offseason. Like, why is, why is Aguilar... I mean, I know Kendrick Bourne's the greatest receiver who ever lived, and Jacoby Myers is also the greatest receiver who ever lived. So that makes it tough for Nelson Aguilar, but he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, those other two guys are so solid, Ben. They have him squeezed. Uh, Harris <laughs> Campbell, is is he somebody – I mean, this could yeah, finally be – Yeah, that's the other one I saw. Yeah, I mean, especially if we had gotten Matt Ryan, we did not. That's the only reason I didn't mention him, but he, he could be a usable piece. Trey Sermon goes – I'd be very comfortable with the rookies as well if you want to go with some – some of your sleepers with Pierre Strong or uh, the rookie backs, or even like a Sony Michelle who is still under uh, is still a free agent, I believe. The draft room is saying he's with the Rams. Okay, we go with Beatty there just to make sure we do get a fifth back. I like. And it. so now we have some flexibility on our final pick. The other thing here, and again. You know, these are obviously not picks in the window, but if we if we wanted to to get a little wild and crazy and say, look, we think that drafters have it wrong. We think that the mocks are wrong. We like these guys. Matt Corral, Sam Howell. I mean, they have the profile that if they were to start this year would be very viable fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah, I like Corral quite a bit, actually, but... I don't think we need a fourth QB. I think we need to take another running back or a receiver personally. Let's go with Strong here. He has the chance to be one of those guys who vaults a bunch of the bigger names. It only takes one team to fall in love with him. If you fall in love with an extremely athletic prospect, then you know he could be that Elijah Mitchell type of player in 2022. 
anytime you're talking about picking someone you expect to go later in the reality draft and then beating out earlier picked players or veterans on the reality team, you're talking about a long shot. You're talking about a lottery ticket. But one of the things that we mention both in rookie drafts and in all other types of formats is that if you're going to take players late where you know the volume is, is basically completely up in the air, you want to take someone with a standout characteristic strong as a fantastic athlete. Yeah, I mean, we could just point to Elijah Mitchell and say he's going to be this year's Elijah Mitchell, and then we don't have to talk about how it's very unlikely and what and reemphasize that what happened with Elijah Mitchell last year was obviously not something that we're going to see every year. But we'll just say we just drafted two versions of this year's Elijah Mitchell in Tyler Beatty and, and Pierre Strong. I think that makes a lot of sense. So our final roster is Diggs, Debo, Brees Hall, Nick Chubb, Dalton Schultz, David Montgomery, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Tyler Boyd, Justin Fields, Kenny Galladay, Ronald Jones, Daniel Jones, Gerald Everett, Malik Willis, KJ Hamler, Trey McBride, Justin Ross, Tyler Beatty, and Pierre Strong. We close with four straight rookies, five of our last six picks. You mentioned that early on that we were going to be looking at that. We also took three rookies in our first eight picks. So we end up with eight total rookies on our roster. It's not exactly an accident, but we clearly don't think this 2022 class is that bad. We don't. And I was having an interesting conversation earlier this week with Blair Andrews, who writes The Wrong Read, and is one of my absolute go-to people when I want to bounce an idea off someone. And we talked about a variety of things before we got to this point. I'm going to go straight to the final conclusion. And he basically was saying that when you think about upside in a fantasy roster, you're basically just talking about how many rookies you draft. I love it. Eight of 20. It's a, it's a beautiful draft. It's a beautiful draft. Sean, that'll do it for this episode, but we'll come back and break down the entire draft in our next one. Well, Ben, that will do it for today's episode of Stealing Bananas. That is the full draft. I'm not sure that I've ever had so much fun with the very first draft that you and I have done. I'm glad that it was a 30-second clock. It kept us on our toes. We made some fun picks as a result. But sometimes you need to have that, that clock pressure so you don't default to your normal plays. I love the way that it turned out. Appreciate everybody who joined with us, both the participants and those of you who are listening in now. It, it really makes this part of the community work so well that you participate in these events with us. We're going to be doing some really awesome underdog drafts as well. You can get a $100 match using the code ROTOVIZ when you sign up there. I'm Sean Siegel. With me is Ben Gretsch. You can follow him at Yards Per Gretsch and make sure you subscribe to Stealing Signals. He's going to have some cool draft prospect research for you when he gets back from his vacation. We're all rooting for him. He's having a, just an absolute blast. I'm kind of tracking his progress mentally as he goes through this week. But if you had fun with the draft, leave us a little rating and review. Just hit the refresh button or you know, however it works on, on your various podcast app that helps us with the algorithm. Subscribe to the feed, get a 10% discount at Rotoviz with the coupon code RVRadio2022. Again, we've just had so much fun. We appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you soon.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.